Jacob Nelson himself when he wrote an article to wrap up the year last year and he says this year would be the year of the UX unicorn mm. and a t-shirt person is like a unicorn it's like a hybrid but then not a jack of all trades master of none okay. a t-shirt person is a jack of all trades master of one okay you are now listening to Marketing Over Wine a podcast where I chat with the marketers behind the companies and the campaigns you see in the world today they share everything how they got into marketing the strategies and the tools that they use how they charge for their services and the mistakes and successes they have made in their career each episode is unfiltered and a masterclass so come join us i am your host as always olawumi olaniye Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Marketing Over Wine. On today's episode, I have Catherine, ambassador for everything pink. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine Ijezile is a UX writer and strategist at TopTal. I love how she describes what she does. Let me read this. Kat works passionately at the intersection of product-led growth and user experience. Her background in SEO copywriting allows her to use words to inform readers and search engines about a product or service. Why a UX writing experience allows her to convert readers into delightful users. Thank you for joining me, Kat, and it's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Nii. We're finally doing this. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's so good to be here. Uh, I remember the video I think you uploaded recently. No, it was not recent. It was last year. This year now my year. Every year now my year. I know be man of the year. I be... Do you remember that? (laughs) Portable drums that were cute for us. And it was... It's a mantra for this year. Every year, now my year. Yeah, this year, now my year. Every year, now my year. So the other day, I was doing some research on Google and LinkedIn, and I stumbled on a conversation about copywriting, UX writing, and content design. It looks like there's a lot of misconception and mix-up about these three different areas. Some people say UX writing is copywriting. Other people say a UX writer is a content designer. People say that, hi, I'm a content designer or I am a UX designer. That's the same thing. Let's put this debate to rest on the Marketing Over Wine podcast. Is there any difference between a UX writer, a copywriter, and a content designer? And if yes, what are the differences? Hmm, quite interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> we you're, you're the best person to answer that question. Right. We just start right at the middle of the controversy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yes, there are differences. Okay. Absolutely. To begin, I usually don't like or don't enjoy addressing this question and i'll tell you why because a lot of except for educational purposes obviously because a lot of the posts people make most times is just trying to bring one down while elevating the other okay yes people have agendas we are humans they try to create so much disparity. And so if you know me, you know my brand. I'm not running a controversial brand. So I just like stay away from those conversations unless for educational purposes. Well, and this is educational. <laughs> okay, so let's get at it. Right, yes, then. there are differences. And you're right. I believe I should speak more about these differences often since I, I I tend to possess this, I don't know, this multifaceted T-shaped skill sets where I, I have like vast experience in copywriting and I'm in, I'm in UX writing and sometimes I also save day on the copywriting side. So yeah, there are differences. Okay. Now, I love that introduction when you were introducing me it was like from years back. I haven't changed that for like years because that is at the core of what I do. Okay. And I'm going to use that as an analogy here. All right. Copywriting, UX writing, as I tell my students at the UX content champ or I tell my audience, both serve a particular goal. And contrary to what people think, they both sell. Okay. The question is, what does UX writing sell? And what does copywriting sell? Mm-hmm. Because whether you're a UX writer, whether you're a copywriter, you're working for a business and businesses exist big money. Yeah. So there is a selling that goes on there. Capitalism. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so now that we are asking the right question, I can then help distinguish. Copywriting sells a product ux writing sells the experience of that product mm, 
that's deep so that's why you see why i don't like engaging in that conversation because when the most of the, the first point they they say is ux writing doesn't sell copywriting sell i'll be like this is so naive yeah if you've been in this industry long enough in fact you can't even be in this industry long enough if you have that kind of mindset mm-hmm. <laughs> so copywriting the first point is that they both sell yeah but what are they selling when i'm writing or i'm speaking to you i'm trying to sell to you a belief system when i'm standing on that podium or whatever whether i'm a politician or a religious leader (laughs) i'm trying to sell to you a belief system you do you agree yeah great so we all agree that at the core they both sell so copywriting sells a product and ux writing sells the experience of that product and i was just reading the state of uh connected uh i don't know connected experience it's a salesforce report for last year okay and it says that user experience is just customers say user experience is just as important as the quality of the product they are buying yeah so there is an interconnection so it's not more about how the how divided they are is more like how do they intersect that's why i use that word my bio at the intersection so but just for like quick tips i like to say ux writing aims to retain users so when copywriting attracts ux writing retains okay. ux writing mostly design with words copywriting persuades with words yeah right ux writing improves usability copywriting improves brand affinity okay right you know what i just imagined now i imagine those tabular form differences we have in school and then we're having both sides both sides yes that's exactly how i present it to my students okay so i put it as a side-by-side comparison stroke differences so it removes that mindset that divisive mindset right Mm -hmm. because i tell you what this i tell you that ux writing uh ux writers work better in a team copywriters work they can work alone they can work in a team ux writer ux writing is more like a two-way conversation ux writing is a dialogue and copywriting is a one-way conversation it's a monologue Mm. And there was there was a day I was reading from one of the best, you know, one of the popular copywriting blogs, copy bloggers. Because if you know copy bloggers, you know that the copywriters there they are exceptional. And there was that comment that I highlighted and posted on socials that triggered me to share a screenshot from our course module because it was clearly highlighted there. Copywriting is like a monologue, but UX writing is a dialogue. It's a conversation between you and the user i don't know if you understand yeah. right and then of course ux writing is like a design or a product role um most times we also work in growth i work in growth but copywriting is mo- mostly a marketing sales role right yeah. you barely see a copywriter in design they'll most likely want to hire a ux writer and one last and major point is that ux writing guides a user through a product and copywriting guides a user through a sales funnel thank you Word. <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> oh, all right my next question was supposed to be why is ux writing important but i think you have done justice to that already so thank you for that <laughs> and now here's a question i ask my guests a quick thing to heart if you haven't subscribed yet and you love the content of marketing of wine please do so and share with all your friends now let's get back to the episode your first degree was in microbiology microbiology yeah and then you worked as an SEO copywriter for a while mm-hmm. and as an editorial staff writer mm-hmm. with African Leadership Magazine. Oh, wow, you've gone Hi, we do our research. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to become a UX writer? What drew you exactly to UX writer? I was waiting for that question because that's like the inspirational story, the aspire to oh, yeah, aspire. We're listening. <laughs> So, as you said, my writing career officially started in a content meal. Okay. If you know what a content meal is, those, those are like agencies that suck the blood out of writers. You write like 4,000 words and you're being paid per word. Yeah. I worked in Enugu. It was a physical job. It, was, it wasn't a remote job. I worked in Enugu at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
yeah directing career i started with so much grit i think that's why i'm really strong <laughs> so i started there as an seo content writer okay and then during the pandemic i started you know augmenting my skills with copywriting and then i got a better position as a content developer at a, an agri-tech company okay. so at that time i was doing all things writing i was writing for websites and all that prior to that role when i was working as an seo copywriter strictly as an seo copywriter it was nice it was amazing because i was ranking my clients websites online i still have some of those websites ranking on our first page of search engine till date it was really really nice i felt like a superman felt like i had a superwoman rather felt like i had superpower yeah and all that mm-hmm. but there was a limitation and there was a gap which i identified and that gap was what led to my i would say unconventional transition or upskilling to ux writing okay so at the time i was working as an seo copywriter i would write content i would see results i would bring in leads but there was a challenge the challenge there was that i didn't have full control over what happens to the readers after they are converted by my article yeah right so my work was mainly top of funnel so while i i was very 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 disciplined as an seo copywriter mostly white hat seo i never engaged in black hat seo stuff i was really intentional about understanding the user's intent and then using the keywords and you know just making everything user-centered so i would later find out that what i was doing at the time was called user-centered seo so when i had that so it was like a light bulb moment for me Mm -hmm. and so i challenged myself to go for more i would say a more holistic role which seems really weird because a lot of people like to run away from you know those roles that want you to be many things (laughs) at once but then some of us are multifaceted in nature so that was how i ended up as a content developer and so i was responsible for website copy seo articles even social media posts and then eventually our mobile app yes that experience really really solidified my love for that intersection of ux so customers users they want an interconnected experience and way back i feel so impressed and proud of myself that i figured that way back so i really love being in that intersection let's not just throw our users down the funnel and leave them hanging yeah. what happens at that from converting from the landing page from search and then onboarding what happens there yeah so that was my passion so and that led to one key principle i'm known for okay. findability and functionality i love to say my content is not just findable but also functional all right i'm coming back to the findability and the functionality part <laughs> <laughs> but before then did you have to take any courses to familiarize yourself with ux writing well when i started off ux writing i like i said like i just explained it was a little bit unconventional so the things with unconventional stuff is could be quite adventurous but very tedious learning on the job learning on the job thank you okay so when i said i realized that what i was doing was user-centered seo you recall that i didn't say i just went to look for a course Uh -uh. i looked for a job (laughs) (laughs) i looked for a job that would allow me to uh, so i think my diving deeper into ux was more like experience led and experience first stuff so i had that deep passion for understanding user experience particularly tech products and then i started self-studying okay reading up materials trying to draw up a roadmap for myself and trying to make sense just you know searching the internet for stuff which is really really problematic because a lot of the courses out there aren't really accessible to africans true either exchange rate issues payment challenges and so that was actually what led me because there were no courses that was what led me after a while of being in the field to creating the ux content champ right okay. which is like ux writing academy to targeted ads both global it's not just for africans because i mean i identify as a global person i work with top top so i 
there weren't any courses to be honest yeah and that's why i like to look at the u.s content champ and i say i think i actually created this course for my former self however i think somewhere along the line i started gaining more insights into how to discover programs or courses but these ones are more advanced courses like um, nelson norman group yeah they have a lot of study guides mostly tailored towards because they are experts so it's mostly tailored towards people that have skin in the game and interaction design foundation took a lot of master classes there okay. but most of the courses i took on these expert platforms were like more specialized you know i look at a particular area that i want to improve on and i go for it yeah. right but in general there weren't any courses it was just learning from here and if you would agree with me the problem still exists even in other arms of writing it's yeah. just that ux writing is a little bit more you know new kid on the block but it's the same thing when you go to i look at the tech hubs around me they try their best to uh, teach digital marketing and then content marketing but you see the actual act of writing yeah they don't have it in their curriculum that's true so yeah it's the reason why i started marketing over wine by the way wow. because i realized that at the beginning of getting into writing i had so many unanswered questions and then even today i have people reach out from time to time to say ah sorry how can i start writing and honestly i usually don't know how to explain that question mm -hmm. because i'm like okay how do you start writing ah uh, go and read several articles or probably just just pick up your pen or just pick up your notepad something will come up and then you can follow any style you want mm -hmm. and i figured that a way to answer many of these questions that i had at the beginning of my career how to get the first client or even what courses to take like i asked you is by asking different people who are already in the game to share their practical experiences because again one of the many things we have on social media oh sorry on the internet whether it's google or udemy are theoretical courses mm -hmm. it's theory it's theory plenty is a lot but the practical the behind the scenes is the issue mm -hmm. so yeah that's actually true 100 no much hands-on practicals mm -hmm. it's just like uh lots of you know information overload yeah. is what i just i just described yeah now this is for anyone getting thinking of getting into ux writing mm -hmm. what do you do as a ux writer day to day let's take an example for your role at top tower day to day what do you do as a ux writer what do i do as a ux writer yeah mm -hmm. From my dreams, I dream of my PMs pursuing me with tickets and deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> I dream of my, I wake up, I wake up from dreams of, you know, PMs and deadlines and tickets. And because I'm a workaholic, I often sleep with work oh, wow. in my mind. I don't, I don't recommend, yeah. or, you know, we all choose our, you know, our battle. <laughs> So my day to day, my day to day is it's not different as writers. Basically, I like to gosh, I love to first acknowledge our similarities before saying this is you know. So yeah. writers we have similar quirks, we have these you know similarities, mm -hmm. but then there is the uniqueness. So let's talk about what's unique. Okay. And I also plan on shooting a a, a day in the life of a UX writer video. I just haven't had the time yet. That's people. I would love to watch that yes people are like people are really really intrigued so let marketing over wine first get that and put that out there we're getting to exclusive yeah so my day-to-day -day starts with checking slack or let's just generalize it whatever platform your company or business or clients use in communicating with you okay. i love to look at slack i love to see i love to be up to date yeah. and then next i move to my calendar okay some persons might have already put in time because one difference between ux writers and other kind of writers in our day-to-day -day is meetings as a ux writer you don't get to write in isolation i am sorry you do not meetings upon meetings so you, i check my calendar to see who has scheduled time in to talk to me okay. sometimes i check my emails too because most times i approve i like to approve the meeting requests unless it's like a repeated meeting so i'll check oh you want to speak with me i approve and all okay and then i just get right into the task 
for the day i'll try to be as generalized as possible okay. we can start off our day by writing copy and then you are either requested or required to be in review meetings where you present your copy live to stakeholders okay. and talk about your copy rationale that's not something i i had a little bit of that quality as a ux writer because i would always tell my clients my clients then as a freelancer i'll always tell them oh this is the reason behind this but with ux writing you have to actually present so nothing is taken out of context okay so there's a lot of presentations in your day-to-day -day. you have to learn how to present okay you have to learn how to gain buy-ins from stakeholders so there is meetings so so many meetings there's a lot of writing there's also a lot of collaboration is that like a bit of politics in it there's always politics okay it's always i think communication in itself is politics okay. trying to convince you to hear me and all those things so yes it's not just empty politics it's about don't enter a presentation or a meeting without facts okay. be it hypotheses be it heuristics be it statistics enter with one of those three and just you know this is why i just like when i was talking about salesforce this yeah. is why i said this this is the data you understand mm -hmm. because it's user-centered right and it's backed up by data not your creative juice <laughs> so yeah meetings writings there's also a lot of collaborations as well one person you will tend to always interface with in your day-to-day -day is a ux designer i like to refer to them as our cousins you guys will always you guys will be on figma and you guys will be like collaborating to design solutions we also have what we call content crits content crits is mostly if god save your soul you're not the only ux writer on your team because if you're the only ux writer on your team no content creates but if you have like a team of two three four five yeah we love to take out time um some people copywriters may call it coffee hours something coffee coffee hours something like that okay. just like take out time from everything that is going on to align with your fellow ux writers if you have a challenge or you just have knowledge that you want to share you could you know schedule time in and then talk about it okay. sometimes it just helps with your mental health yeah. being able to talk with people that are alike um, that understand you especially with the remote work and everything exactly so there's content creates we also have um stand-ups we have stand-ups as well okay so stand-ups anybody in case you're new in tech stand-ups are like um meetings that you have with your team of developers designers engineers where everyone just talks about what they've done uh maybe the previous week or the previous day it depends on how frequent stand-ups are in your company but they are like a norm in tech organizations yeah so you have like stand-ups and all where you update your team members all these things are a little bit very akin to ux writers because they work like within in tech right okay but i don't know for other writing rules you might be able to skip all of these but for ux writing you should just be ready to lots of collaboration lots of speaking to people less of writing in isolation and more about you know collaborative kind of writing so yeah and then there's testing as well okay we also collaborate with researchers you could get a request to help with some documentation ahead of testing your copy and afterwards you could also sync with the researchers i i advise this i always advise ux writers not leave this to chance okay. hear what the research says what the test says so you can get some materials you can use for your portfolio at the end of the day so it's a lot of writing meetings okay and politics <laughs> <laughs> and little politics and then corporate fights you know okay. <laughs> All right. I think there was a particular time you shared on Twitter that you help your users to understand the product without making them feel stupid. Yes. And that line stuck with me because it's an issue with technical writing. But even in marketing or for developers, they launch out a product and there is no explanation on how exactly to use that product. Physically leaving their users to feel stupid I'm waiting with this. So for you, what is the secret sauce behind helping users understand stand the product without making them feel stupid yes <laughs> yes 
and i just wanted to touch on what you just said quickly i have been getting a lot of requests on adp list because i mentor on adp list okay I've been getting so many i've been getting so many requests for sessions with technical writers so i'm shouting out to them because we are all trying our best at the end of the day yeah i they they, they are now recognizing that there's something called ux and i'm getting those sessions that oh please i, I had one just this week okay. i'm hearing about ux please i want to teach my team of technical writers how to infuse ux in our process and i think that's amazing so while some of their writing can be really hard to read they're they are trying so over to your question okay yes try not to make the users feel stupid and i always like to reference advertising lord david ogilvy he says the customer is a, is your wife not a moron <laughs> <laughs> And if you try to translate that, it simply means you ask yourself, what does a spouse want more than anything? I'll tell you, support. Hmm. That's just preach. So you see where I talk about the intersection of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you have that at the four corner or the forefront of your mind, that the customer or the user is your wife, not a moron. <laughs> you would prioritize their needs. Yeah. Now, to use clear, very clear in my academy, I like to reference my academy a lot when it comes to educational stuff like this. Okay. I had to develop the UX writing principles into what I call the core C's. Okay. And that was like a measure of my copywriting experience together with UX experience. Your copy has to be clear. It has to be concise because you don't want to waste people's time. Your customer, AKA wife, she's busy. Let's assume she's really, really busy. Let's assume she's shopping and she's distracted. <laughs> Just like people internet users, we are so yeah. distracted by notifications. Uh -huh. You want to be as direct as possible. Conversational. Yeah. You want to speak with your user, not at them. Yeah. You don't you won't let it be like it. You don't want to speak at them. You want to speak <laughs> to them. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. Yeah. And lastly, mm -hmm. converting. You want to try and trigger hopefully a positive emotion in them. Yeah. Because we humans, we are quite unique. Yeah. And sometimes we need a little bit of a push mm -hmm. that's why sometimes even health campaigns yeah. even environmental campaigns they use psychological factors that makes you feel like there's an incentive if you do good yeah <laughs> So I know that I shouldn't be having cupcakes, but then I just want to have a taste. So if someone were to advise me not to, they would have to nudge me a little. So your copy has to be conversing. That's yeah. why I find I find it dumb when people say you're writing shouldn't convert or it shouldn't be about conversion. You guys are you guys are joking. <laughs> so you need to be able a user has a goal. You need to be able to motivate them into successfully completing that goal. Yeah. You empower them. At the end of the day, they feel empowered, not stupid. Yeah. Come on the interface. Everything is clear. Mm -hmm. Oh, what do I need to do? Oh, I need to click this. It's clear. Oh, what do I need to do? I need to go here. You know, point A to B, everything is clear. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, Duolingo does that perfect yeah. and at the end of the day they achieve their goal and they feel empowered instead of feeling stupid so mm -hmm. clear language no much technical jargons unless you're targeting a very specialized audience yeah. so for example PubMed or whatever if they are trying to speak to doctors they will obviously use medical technologies that's okay yeah. but at the same time they know that they have an audience that are like patients too so there is that is like a different story mm -hmm. but there's also a space for understanding the diversity of your audience if you're like a medical platform, for instance, you know that patients and doctors use your platform. How then do you create an experience that is inclusive of both of them? Because what a doctor would understand, yeah. a patient will not understand yet they're in the same environment. True. But that's like advanced content. <laughs> 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 <All right. laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> 
You have talked about your course, the UX Content Champ, and congrats, by the way, for launching it. Thank you. Knowing that there are hundreds and thousands, honestly, of online courses about UX writing, on Udemy alone, as of this morning, there were 8,883 results when you type in UX writing. So what's different about the UX Content Champ? First of all, one of our differentiators is that we champion content globalization and this is because i like to stand on the fact that there is this uniqueness in creating something from a place of you know being underprivileged right and then being able to break global barriers Mm -hmm. being able to be in the international market right yeah while still being relevant locally so I like to look at US Content Champ as one of the few UX writing programs that is also accessible to people that are underrepresented and also people that are in, you know, top countries. Okay. It's not just right Nigerians, even Indians. Yeah. We get so many questions coming from Indians, you know, other people of color, interest in the course and all that. So content globalization, a lot of the courses out there from your search that you saw, they are not so accessible to Africans or, you know, as we mentioned earlier. So that's one of the points. Okay. Another point is beyond championing um, content globalization, our lessons are like hands-on. Okay. I I don't I don't want to blow my trumpet. Because please do, please do. <laughs> if you follow my socials, when I have the time, you see that I take screenshots from comments you know from our learners in the academy sometimes i take screenshots from the inside of the academy for you to see almost everything i build out templates uh everyone we agree right now that the world is moving in such a fast pace and people are advising freelancers advising creatives advising businesses to create systems yeah you need systems systems are like a combination of frameworks templates that can set you running and i apply all of that business mindset and systems mindset into creating the course so you have templates you understand yeah you're not just lost you're guided right yeah here is a template do this do this do this that's what we are doing with ai now prompt engineering Mm -hmm. so you know there's there's space for your creativity but also i noticed that people get lost often when there is no guide yeah so i kept to my word that this is a structured pathway i got i just got another comment this morning from one of the learners thanking me how research used to be tedious for her because i made a post online about the different types of writers this morning and she specifically sent that message that she used to be one of those persons that they go online they try to research they get lost in the rabbit hole i'm sure it happens to even the best of us yeah but at the ux content chapter there are templates you understand mm-hmm. you know what to look for where to look for it yeah. i teach you things like conversation mining i teach you how to control information overload okay. so that's another differentiator i think the, the third there are so many differentiators but i think the third differentiators differentiator for me is just my teaching style i've heard it times from different people that i have this ability to distill complex concepts into very simple things and i agree just on this talk alone i can't count how many times i've tried to you know take references from quotes yeah. from this from <laughs> that from very little minute examples so just to support your understanding of what i'm saying i believe there are some persons when you're talking about content design you're writing today you'll be so confused yeah so many jargons so many you know life is not that deep right mm-hmm. so yeah. three things so content globalization hands-on templates and frameworks and lastly the delivery style it's really beginner friendly it's easy for anyone to you know get on board okay that, that's really amazing yeah. you had it here first on the marketing over wine podcast if you want to begin your UX writing journey or get better at it if you have started already, get the UX content champ. Yes, yes, yes. Come be a champion. Definitely. <laughs> you mentioned T-shaped content and T-shaped skills quite a lot. <sighs> And even earlier on in this podcast, you've mentioned it too. So what exactly is it? Uh, 
<laughs> T-shape, T-shape, T-shape. I'm the poster girl for T-shape. Last year, I gave, I, I think I delivered two talks on it. One was a global uh, content conference that's growing in content. Okay. The other one was a workshop at TopTal with my fellow UX writers. And there were several others in other writing communities. And every opportunity I get, be a T-shape person. And I love the fact that I get notification when people say, oh, you know, I, I like to think I'm a T-shape writer just as cat copy says yeah. or I like to, you know and all that and one thing that blew my mind the most was reading from usability pioneer pioneer um jacob nelson himself when he wrote an article to wrap up the year last year and he says this year would be the year of the ux unicorn mm. and a t-shirt person is like a unicorn it's like a hybrid but then not a jack of all trades master of none okay a t-shirt person is a jack of all trades master of one okay so being shaped is like you have we have different types of uh skill sets yeah. we have eye shape which are the specialists amazing people those are our doctors that treat us when we are sick and all that even our doctors now and our content creators are proper doctor for instance <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't doll don't doll you just all. lose you lose mm-hmm. if you don't adapt you are gone <laughs> if you don't adapt you get so I, I, I was going to say doctors but then i remember that doctors are content creators now <laughs> yeah and you know the doctor also teaches it's crazy <laughs> so um then there's the eye shape specialist and then there is the dash shape um generalist those are the jack of all trades yeah. those are the ones that they can fix our our taps they can fix the light bulb and they can you know all those things yeah. the t-shape person is a combination of both okay. so they combine the broad sets of skills that they have that is generalistic enough for them to be able to collaborate in a multifaceted setting okay. so you bring a developer bring a designer bring a ux a ux designer and you bring a marketer a t-shaped writer would use that broad set of generalized skill sets to be able to at least make sense of that meeting right okay but then they also have that vertical side of the t just visualize a t that vertical side is the core of who they are okay. so at the core of yourself you're a writer at your core what kind of writer are you at your core mm. so unlike the specialist who just says this is my area and they often tend to have this man with a hammer syndrome yeah. what that means is that when they see a problem oh this is the solution that i was taught that was and so they just want to hit a hammer you know no as a teacher person you have like a diverse diversified thinking you are versatile you are adaptable a lot of tech organizations right now tech companies they work in agile yeah you're moving you're moving fast you could be working on something today and then they come and they tell you that they've changed direction yeah. you, move them. <laughs> you know and all that those are that's what a t-shaped person is and i like to blow your mind by telling you that this concept didn't start today okay people that we admire william shakespeare was identified as a t-shaped talent maybe not in those exact words but an earlier reference of his work would refer to him as a jack of all trades he was into skin uh, screenwriting poets so many things all in one you understand yeah another thing i like to reference is design consultancy agency i do their ceo tim brown in an interview about ceos he talked a lot about how hiring t-shaped talents formed the basis of IDU today okay and he also further goes to say even top companies like apple i know a lot of them a lot of companies have forgotten their names there's a particular company i'll probably send you the link later okay you can even see their career page they have this animation of their employees forming a t-shaped so it's something that has been in the hiring world top organizations use it to identify talents that are easily adapt- adaptable while still being able to deliver excellent work and i just happened to 
uh, I started using it when I was trying to make sense of my ability to do marketing, copywriting, UX writing, and some persons were saying it's impossible, and I'm like, impossibility is nothing in my world. And so I made sense of it, started bringing it into the content space. Right now, I've even created like a framework around it. I have some T-shaped templates that I share to writers. Okay. It's like a skill mapping visualization exercise yeah. where you're able to map out your skill sets as a T-shaped tree. It's just to help them visualize you, your core skill serves as the trunk of the tree and then your complementary skill serves as the branches of the tree. Okay. And then that way you're able to really tell yourself the truth. Ah, this is where I, you know, my strength lies in. Mm-hmm. And this complementary part, this is where I also con- uh, collaborate. And it's also good in positioning and selling yourself. Because sometimes some of us fall short. Yeah. Some of us do hidden writers. Writers are amazing people, but sometimes our work goes hidden. Yeah. We do hidden work. You just, they'll say quickly, uh, change this thing to, you know, quickly uh, pop, let the cop- copy pop, yeah. you know, and all that <laughs> stuff. And you have hidden skills that you don't even know that you have. Yeah. But if you're able to adapt this T-shaped mindset, wherever you go, you know that, oh, I have these skills. Yeah. I have collaborated in this way and I have excelled in this way. Yeah. Okay. You recently said that conciseness and focusing on reducing word counts doesn't necessarily guarantee a clear message. In your words, concise but unclear text is unuseful. So it's useless. Yes, it's useless. <laughs> So what's the trick to having a concise message that is clear and useful, especially in UX writing? So it's all about balance, okay. right? It's all about balance. It's all about knowing how to balance. They give you these principles and then it doesn't mean you should be dogmatic in using them. Okay. So there's something in our, one of the modules, I think module five, the principles of UX writing in our US content champ. I can't grab that now, but I'll try to just answer off the top of my head. Okay. The first principle I like to teach my learners is clear, not concise, clear. Okay. First of all, your copy must be useful. I have a quote saying, uh, copy must be, I think I said copy, something around copy uh, must be useful to copy must be useful for there to be users okay yes copy has to be useful for there to be users so now the first goal is for copy to be clear and purposeful where concise comes in is that a lot of ux copy works in tandem with design so sometimes we have design constraints okay so you have to factor that in mind first so there's design constraints first of all and then there is the attention span of people these days you know so i like to say write just enough words that would move your user from point a to point b Hmm. and one tip i like to share is the use of progressive disclosure okay so progressive disclosure is just like playing a game playing a treasure hunt game i remember when we used to play this game where treasure hunt or something and then at the beginning of a treasure hunt you are not just giving the entire roadmap they give you tips they give you guidelines and then the more you move the more things are unveiled okay so the best tip to get from there is use progressive closure front load your content our readers on the internet tend to read content in an f-shaped pattern style of reading where they tend to pay attention to the first few sentences yeah and then their reading style follows the shape of an F. So front load, put the most important information in the first beginning part of your sentence. That way, you would even see that you have said exactly what you want to say without the other fillers, right? Yeah. And then you can take off the other fillers. Another tip I have is using the inverted pyramid style of writing. Okay. The inverted pyramid style of writing is an age-old journalistic style of writing. It started way back when reporters were reporting scenes from the war and then they were using the telegraph, they call it. And that machine often cuts the line cuts at certain time so you want to be able to report 
the most important information and then bringing digital content is all about viewing your content as an inverted pyramid an upside down pyramid whereby the most important information you prioritize it in an information architecture that makes sense to the user and then going in the descending order you now start adding supporting points that way your content can be concise but still clear and useful i think a last point i would also like to share is show don't tell yeah. show don't tell principle is very very in copywriting it helped the user especially in ux help the user paint a picture in their mind you understand yeah and sometimes as we said our users are not dumb mm-hmm. sometimes wife yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like you're going to write that online. <laughs> don't overly dumb down content. Don't make con- don't oversimplify that it doesn't have you know meaning. Know your target audience and write accordingly. And you will see that you have balanced all of the principles: yeah. concise, clear, converting, helpful. There are so many. So yeah, yeah, that's my advice. Thank you for sharing that. So if you could go back and do it all again. Would you still pick UX writing? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now imagine this: you go to an event or you attend a conference, and someone walks up to you and says that they want to start out in UX writing. What is that one piece of advice you would give them to begin on their journey? Think like a UX writer. Okay. By thinking like a UX writer, I mean unlock or open your mind to see copy around you yeah it's not just for ux writers it's also for copywriters when you see me out there sometimes i'm like you think i'm talking to myself you think something is happening yeah i just see that copy oh nice be self-aware yeah be very self-aware and self-conscious of copy around you because ux writing is about psychology yeah when you see that writing how did it make you feel can you identify that emotion try and put a label to it try and put a label because our emotions have label how did it make you feel then ask yourself how what word choice what would have led to this stay curious basically okay always have a swipe file so for instance you've seen these examples how about you take a picture of it and then you save it in a folder somewhere you understand yeah if you're using your mobile app be very very intentional you'd see that especially because you ask somebody that is interested because sometimes it's very easy to not see ux writing because yes unlike copywriting that shouts a lot ux writing is silence it's very possible to be using an app and it's so seamless and you don't even notice you understand yeah and that's why talking and giving people the most basic example of UX writing, I always tell them to imagine their mobile app that they are using. Imagine the writer app, a writing app that brought them where they are today. Imagine all the instant messaging apps. Just imagine that that micro copy that says send message was not there. Yeah. Well, how would you know what to press? And they'll be like, wow. And I'll be like, yeah, it's not so little <laughs> after all. So just be curious, be self-aware, right? Yeah. That is the fundamental because it might change your mindset and you change your life. Yeah. Your mindset has to change, first of all. And then, thank God for Google. Google is free to use. Start researching. Yeah. And also, start listening to podcasts like this. Yeah. And then you start hearing, oh, there is something called UX content charm. There is something called this. There's something called that. But at your core, just stay curious. Very, very important. You heard that from Katz. Listen to Marketing Over Wine and tell your friends all about it too. Yeah. Now, you have the same imagination of being at a conference. Another person walks up to you and tells you that they are confused about what should be in their writing portfolio, in their UX writing portfolio. Because for copywriting, it is, let me say, easier to add the landing pages or add links to the blogs you have written. But for UX writing, how do they build a portfolio for something like that? This question is quite interesting. I'm going to be a speaker at a Utali Global Conference. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a content conference. It's happening in March, I think. I will remember to share links because I am talking about portfolio development. Okay. So, yes, 
I will be talking about portfolio development at totally global content, but let's just address this right now. You're right. Okay. Being on both sides of the coin, I can say, yes, you're right. When I wanted to communicate my copywriting experience at that beginning of my career and all, yeah. I, I was using uh, clippings. Okay. Yes, clippings. Although I love to do things a little bit differently. I've always been unique though. But I've seen people who just link to drive and it works it serves yeah. i was using clippings at the time and i just tried to write a little bit of copy i like to add some this my pet for them to visualize and then i still link to drive everything most things link to drive okay with ux writing it's a little bit different i'm going to try and give insights but then ultimately there's something unique about just you as a human being yeah and i take that from what's one of the impressive things one of my one of the learners at the us content champ did this week so let's start with ux writing there's something they call ux writing challenges okay it's very popular it's out there i don't advise to have ux writing challenges in your portfolio it's a very controversial it's a hot take and there are some experts that agree with me okay because ux writing challenges i think they are ex they are exercises i give my learners to i call my quests i love i call them champions quest yeah they are exercises that you for the betterment of yourself okay but not necessarily to be showcased on your portfolio businesses are looking for real solutions businesses are looking for people that will come in and give them solutions yeah and i don't think a ux writing challenge is the best thing to showcase on your portfolio the best you can do you can say oh i i i participated in this challenge let it be back to information hierarchy okay. let it not be the, even if it will be there let it not be the most prioritized information now what do you have in your portfolio yeah real life examples okay in module one of the us content charm even in all the quests one thing i do is that I provide learners assignments that they can share online. Okay. It positions them as people that can operate in actual real life. You understand? Yeah. And this week, one of my learners took things a step further by writing a Medium article and then publishing on LinkedIn about one of the assignments. And that assignment is called UX Writing Spotlights. Okay. So I tell them, to look for five digital products and identify you know the type of ux copy very important and then purpose or function of that copy okay she did her assignment and then she took things a step further by publishing this time not digital products real life products that people like real life service like she supermarkets i was intrigued <laughs> yeah um the back of a washing machine you know the tags in supermarkets and that thing also challenged me because i was like oh i remember sometimes when i'm in the mall i'm shopping and the tag the writing on the tag has cleaned it causes friction in my shopping experience yeah. i have to look for somebody to ask you understand yeah and all those things there micro copy so she was able to publish an article and identified real life examples that everyone can relate to not just products that are a little bit limited unless maybe you've experienced the products and then you can see for yourself she took things a step further by identifying these real life examples talked about them designed a small carousel and posted i will give that a thumbs up to be on your portfolio okay you understand yeah because even if it's not a a business or branded project yeah it gives anybody that anybody that knows knows what they are doing sees you as someone that is a critical thinker you know things as minute and they'll be wondering wow how did you even think of that yeah mm -hmm. wow i never thought of that so yes that's one real life examples structure them in such a way that makes sense you can showcase those on your portfolio and another thing again because i've written an article on this topic maybe i will share the link with you i would also have that so portfolio i've written an article before one thing i'm always so biased towards copywriters as well because i identify as one as well and one thing i tell writers is that sometimes forget about the titles i even have a module that is called break free from the title walls okay forget about the titles when you look into that drive 
where you have you've done your content jobs chances are you've done some projects where a client couldn't um let's say they couldn't provide a proper brief okay you had to walk them through explaining exactly what they want you know what you're doing there content strategy mm-hmm. you're already using a user-centered approach you are trying to gather information it's called information gathering yeah. you're organizing sessions with stakeholders your clients is called the stakeholder forget about this <laughs> language you try to make sense of what they want you understand yeah and then you're overlapping that with their business goals and their users goes what about value prop some of us know how to create value props a client says my product does this does this does this and then you're able to get the benefits separate the benefits from the features and then form a value prop from it yeah half of the time you've done all these intersecting writing jobs you understand yeah it's all about positioning it in such a way that is user-centered and lastly your portfolio the difference between a ux writer and a copywriting portfolio is that from the very beginning of your ux writing portfolio people want to see that it is user-centered so i tell my learners that think of the people reading your portfolio as your target audience yeah in this case they are hiring managers they are business owners or whoever one thing that is common to all of them is that they are going through multiple portfolios at once not just you yeah they are thinking about different people they want to hire think about the most important information you understand yeah do you need to have a project view instead of just linking somebody to drive give them a brief introductory you know a project overview a clear title that says okay this is content redesign or this is onboarding ux copy you understand yeah give them that overview let them be able to form like a mental model let them prepare themselves for what they are trying to dive into you understand yeah use storytelling use storytelling storytelling has there are different approaches to storytelling but the most common one is always starting with a problem that's how most of the movies that we watch there's always the underdog there's always a problem yeah. that problem in their world they don't know how to go about it then all of a sudden your solution comes and their life they live happily ever after <laughs> use storytelling in your case studies don't just write and write and write the other day on ADP list, I was reviewing a case study, a portfolio of one of my mentees, and I was really intrigued by how she there were some errors, but one thing stood out for me was the story approach. She wrote copy for a I think a corporate food selling business, something like that. They have a mobile app. And when she tried to structure the case study, she started by evoking i told her that the emotion you are evoking here is called nostalgia Mm -hmm. she started by evoking that emotion trying to tell a story of how when we were little we used to love to buy uh is it ewa and something and bread on the streets yes yes exactly and now we are all so busy and all so this business their selling proposition is that they will deliver this food to your offices so that you can still experience that nostalgia so i'm the one putting it so it was it was a light bulb moment for her but she was like oh my god yes there's a name to the emotion i was like yes there is yeah but then this storytelling makes it it makes it i was able to connect with the story and i was like what do i feel in this moment nostalgia so storytelling do you understand yeah. try to evoke an emotion try to hook your the hiring person yeah you understand don't just leave everything bland and boring those are my points okay this has been very insightful honestly <laughs> <laughs> winding down what are your predictions for ai and ux writing in 2024 Ooh, ai in the building mm-hmm. ai our new body again i've written an article on this before okay. <laughs> will ai replace writers ux writers or writers in general my predictions are ai is here to serve as many things and i use the word serve 
as many things. AI can be a research assistant. Okay. AI can streamline your research process. Of course, if you understand how to use it. Yeah. Just yesterday, I put together a prompt engineering template for some persons. So AI can streamline your research process. Yeah. AI can also help you to scale. So if I have, let's say, a headline option okay. and I have the thought process that led me to developing that headline, I can just ask ChatGPT using that same process, provide 20 more. Yeah. You understand? So, but first, the human input is very important. AI is just as, output is just as the input that it's giving. So yeah. my predictions is that, yes, research assistant, a scalability partner, or whatever that is, I just formed that word. <laughs> and what else do I use AI for? AI, I think AI just, AI helps in streamlining our process a lot. It's not just in writing. I, and I like to also say it's the, the same way designers started using Figma and Photoshop and the likes to augment. Yeah. The world is augment, to augment their designs. It's just that for writers, it's happening a little bit too late. Yep. It's the same thing. AI would augment your process. There's also going to be a rise in human writers. Yes, because there's going so many AI field content. And I noticed, I was, I was telling someone yesterday, I was like, I noticed one thing. People just want to use AI randomly. Yeah. But when ethical usage of AI comes into the discussion, they shy away. Yeah. So that means even in AI, there is work in using AI the right way. You understand? Yeah. So if you're a writer, learn how to be a human writer first, then how to be a writer yourself, yeah. and then embrace ethical use of AI. Yeah. There's no how. You will stand out. I don't see how you will not stand out. You will stand out because there's going to be jargon-filled content. There's going to be content that is so unuseful to people. Regurgitated content. Yes. And being a human writer simply means you have user experience at the forefront of your mind you have ux at the forefront of your mind yeah i also remember there was a time a few years ago uh although because i'm not in the content writing space anymore so i can't say if it's really still in vogue we had these um, article spinners it was a thing back in the days yeah people would just take someone's article and then put it in these ai article spinners and they will have a new article some so-called coaches where <laughs> i never did that thing for one day i never i never did that thing for one day yeah i was like this is not the ethical use of ai no it's not this was far back 2020 so that was my advice if you're thinking ai think ethical use you understand yeah and also create a balance use it sparingly because one thing i'm also noticing is that ai if you're not careful might just come in exchange of your brain yeah because our brain we are we are meant to use our brain yeah we are meant to think if you are always outsourcing your thinking process to ai you would be you become dumbass yeah. that's one fear that i'm afraid that it might happen so people have to be really really watchful that's true yeah. at the beginning of the call you were having a non-alcoholic glass of wine so yeah we're we're back to the wine conversation <laughs> yeah what is your favorite type of wine i think just sticking to the type alone it would be fruity flavors okay. wines that are just like really really fruity yes so that's it <laughs> and if you could have a glass of wine with any marketing professional of your choice past or present who would it be and why who do i choose shoot your shot because you said past and um, past or present but i would like to stay present because obviously that's when my shots that's when my shot will land properly uh -huh. i will say seth Godin. okay author of this is marketing yeah lastly what automation tools do you use day to day as part of your workflow automation tools okay i feel like most of our life is automated Definitely. yeah I will start with productivity because most of the automation tools I use are mostly in the productivity area because working remotely and you know it comes with its own challenges yeah. which you have to try and pin the board so you are effective and efficient as much as possible. I use what's it called? There is a time productivity a productivity app that I use. I don't know why the name is eluding me right now. Or I use that particular app 
to use the Pomodoro technique of focal. Okay. So what I do is that I set time blocks, okay. right? I set time blocks and then I allocate those times. And when I'm on those time blocks that I'm working on at that moment, I just turn off everything. This app, it has a feature that if I turn my phone upside down, I start working. And then if I mistakenly turn the phone upside or the, the, up, like upside, the timer recounts. Yeah. So it messes with my head. If I don't want the time that I've worked to lose or to, you know, I just leave it. I leave the phone like that. Yeah. That is one, uh, one tool that really helps in automating my task and all. Okay. So I put in my daily task for the day and then everything is just automated. I'm also able to embed my calendar, yes. So if I have meetings, it just draws out a map of what my day is like. Okay. And um, the name of this app is TikTok. It's amazing. Okay. Another um, one for productivity. For my web, I also use Momentum. Momentum helps my mental health in such a way that uh, when I'm on the landing page of Momentum, when I'm working and then my focus is on, Momentum has bits of quotes. Okay. Okay. you know motivational quotes so it helps me as a remote worker because i can be in nigeria right now but the uh, landscape i'm seeing is from the us <laughs> it's from china it's from wherever and i like how all these um tools help my life yeah. um in terms of i mean there are so many areas in terms of scheduling obviously we know google calendars and all those things yeah. you just put in your your event and then everything is automated for you 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 put in reminders and you don't you don't have to clog your brain too much uh remembering things yeah. google calendars a must and in fact the entire google workspace because i use almost everything that google offers okay um what else again payments for instance i use payoneer okay. i use payoneer is actually very good it's actually good freelancers and even people in general one of their automation feature that i like is the fact that you can also send in invoice reminders you understand you can remind uh, people clients about payments and all those kind of things all right then we have come to the end of the episode thank you so much for your time thank you for having me i honestly didn't think it was going to take this long i think i told you that it would be less than an hour or so but we have exceeded that <laughs> thank you for the insights and for your time do take care of yourself and have a lovely day ahead Catherine. bye for now bye <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this episode of Marketing Over Wine. To listen to more career stories of marketing professionals around the world, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app of your choice. Or simply visit marketingoverwine.com to stay up to date.